What Abby and I have come to learn, because this is also a journey of self-discovery for ourselves, was that manufacturing has always been sexy. It just needs a generational communications facelift. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts, business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. So Jim, in the previous episode, we talked about the date and the location and everything for the Cranes Manufacturing Summit. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Why would somebody want to go? Well, first and foremost, I'm going to be moderating it. And they'd want to come and meet me personally. Well, that's good enough reason. Well, I might not go because I see enough of you. Hey, come on now. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. And I think we're going to be talking about really exciting stuff. I can't wait to share it with everybody. But anyway, when, when is the date, Jason? It is February 25th, which is a Thursday, and it's at 7.30 in the morning. They put on a great breakfast, so it's great people to talk with, talk about manufacturing, leadership, you know, where the industry is going. Yep. It's at the Ritz-Carlton in downtown Chicago, and if they h- hurry up and sign up now at chicagobusiness.com forward slash manu, put in the promo code M-A-N-U number two. That was M-A-N-U two. Oh, they'll get buy one, get one free. Hey, welcome everybody. It's Jim from Making Chips. We're so happy to have you tuned in with us today. We are here to equip and inspire you all. And I am in the studio in our beautiful downtown Chicago studio with my good friend, Jason Zanger. How y'all doing? I am well, man. I'm doing really good. 2016 is going to be a good year. I, I just know it. I feel it in my bones and um, I'm excited. It's going to be a whirlwind. Just like 2015 was. What is the old adage that the days are slow and the years are fast? I've never heard that. And I've been around for a long time and I've never heard that. So no, it's good. I'm feeling good. I've got a lot on my plate this year and I'm really excited to... to, Yeah, you're going to have a lot of work on your plate. You know, I'll be installed as the chairman of our manufacturing association. Are you going to be able to record episodes with me? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, good. I will. Absolutely. I, I love this, Jason. You know how much we love doing this. It's all part about giving back to the community and, and helping inspire. Yeah, you're not going to be spending a lot of time in the leaders. office if you're so doing this. Thank God Ryan and you're the chairman. Yeah, now, exactly. Because, uh, and thank God we're, we're connected uh, to the internet. You better be careful. He's going to ask you for a raise. <laughs> he already is. But believe me, I'm fair. I'm a fair guy. I know you are. I am. So we've got another episode with Elena. The first episode, the previous one was so great. We had another topic to talk about and we yeah. wanted to keep it going. Pleasure to have her come back. Absolutely. I but mean, before we get in with her, I want to yeah. talk a little bit about what is going on with oil prices. It's crazy. I mean, I think Ryan looked it up and I think he said it was about $30 or less than $30 a barrel. A barrel. Yeah, I mean, that's it, crazy. I don't know what it is today. I heard it trending today. I was listening to the news radio on the way. I wasn't listening to music and I wasn't listening to podcasts. I was listening to news radio. And I think they said it was about $30 and 20 cents a, a barrel, which is insane. I, it is. It's I, good and bad, I guess, for manufacturing. Uh, I think it's bad, quite honestly. Honestly, I would be willing to pay three bucks a gallon as long as I knew that my manufacturing peers that were highly invested in oil and energy were busy and pumping out millions of dollars in parts a year. You know, there's there's good and bad to everything. Yeah, you it doesn't affect you directly. It does not. That's not me. your niche, but you do know a lot of people. I know a lot of people who you know maybe make fracking boxes. 
or, or just something else connected. Maybe they make components for pipes. I mean, who knows? There's so many things that are connected to, you know, to that industry. There really is, Jason. It's, um, it's really affecting people in, in Texas. I heard that Wisconsin is suffering because of the low oil prices. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're saying a buck a gallon. I mean, boy, I remember back in the late 70s, early 80s. When oh, I thought you were going to say the 20s. <laughs> no, no. No, just kidding. No, I know you are, but I, I do remember it when it was around a, a buck a gallon. And it, to, I, I actually do remember think, that too, Jim. To think it's gone back that long, you know, something's dramatically wrong here. If you think about it, when you think about sways in industry, when you see something that, like Ryan said earlier, that barrels of oil were one hundred and twenty dollars a gallon, and now we're talking down thirty. There's a disconnect somewhere, and I don't know what that is, but. Obviously, something's not right. We need to repair that. We need to get it corrected. Yeah, I mean, when a gallon of gas costs less than an apple, I think that Seriously. you know there's something reversed. You know, because yeah. I know the price of food has gone up dramatically. Yeah. So, and I thought I was doing good when I sold my Yukon Denali XL because it only got twelve miles to the gallon. Anyway, I like my new car anyway. Well, why don't, why don't we get into the episode? So yeah. today we're going to be talking about how in-person skill demonstrations can help you to find the right candidate. And as we mentioned, we have Elena Valentine back in the studio on making chips. And before we even start talking about in-skill demonstrations, one of the questions that I had when I first heard about Skill Scout was, why are you focused on manufacturing? I mean, you're here in Chicago, two young girls affiliated with incubators in Chicago, and they're focused on manufacturing. And I'm thinking, what's myself, that what? mess? What do we know about manufacturing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what? What? Well, no, it wasn't even like, what do you know about manufacturing? I'm like, why would these two young girls choose manufacturing as the place to go? I mean, I would think that you'd want to be, you know, telling people you're in the tech industry or you know something like that. So why don't you tell us about that? I think I know why. It's it's a little different. It's going to get you noticed. I, I don't know. Am I somewhat on, on point with it? That's part of it. But so if we look at just the business side of things of here's manufacturing, it's the basis of our economy. It's going to continue to grow. You know, this is a sector that provides living wage jobs. with lots of opportunity for growth. They're also the highest sector that is hiring non-college degreed populations. On the other end, it was also looking at this is a sector that is suffering from a severe talent shortage and has a perception problem. And so we saw that a solution such as Skill Scout that is about humanizing the process and bringing jobs to life and candidates to life. So on the other end, what we also saw that despite the fact that manufacturing is the base of our economy, et cetera, that this is a sector that's also suffering from a severe talent shortage. And perception is at an all-time low. Yeah, everybody thinks it's, you know, dirty manufacturing. I'm going to always smell like oil and come home dirty every day. But it's not the case. No, it's by far not the case. And, you know, even if we look at the stats, you know, despite the fact that 90% of our millennial generation believes that manufacturing is fundamental to America's prosperity, we're ranking it dead last as a career choice. Yeah, it's amazing. People can make so much more money working on CNC machines, but they'd rather go work at Starbucks. Doesn't make sense. Absolutely. And that was something that we noticed. And what Abby and I have come to learn, because this is also a journey of self-discovery for ourselves, was that manufacturing has always been sexy. It just needs a generational communications facelift. Say that one more time, Elena. Manufacturing has always been sexy. It just needs a generational communications facelift. Love it. And we see the hiring process of how 
candidates and companies are connecting for the first time is a key way that we could start changing perceptions. Love it. And on a personal level, you know, how we've come to love manufacturing is again, as, as I had mentioned, both Abby and myself, we weren't exposed to manufacturing careers growing up. And so we come into these manufacturing environments and they are dynamic and people are very tangible and, and transparent. You are the OG makers of the world. And I have never met such passionate business leaders who care about not just their business, but the industry as a whole. And so we just have such a deep respect and admiration for the people that we meet. And that's why we continue to do this. And we see what we're doing is building a movement around a new way to hire. And we see, particularly within the Chicagoland area, these manufacturing is influencing how we scale and how we make manufacturing different across this nation. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, Elena. Definitely drinking the Kool-Aid. I, I hear you loud and clear. Manufacturing becomes a way for us to bring even communities that are in poverty and bring them out of that poverty, bring those high paying jobs when people thought that their only prospects were, you know, working at McDonald's or working at Starbucks or something like that. And to me, that that gets me excited too. And so I love what you guys are doing. I mean, you're focusing on one component of the equation. You're very focused on, on your part and then hopefully other people will do their part so that we really can bring that perception to what it, what reality is. Yeah. We want to enable more fun discovery. We want to enable more fun discovery of how candidates are experiencing manufacturing in these jobs. And at the same time, as we're getting into this episode, helping companies experience how companies experience candidates. Okay, so tell us what is an in-person skill demonstration? Let me just clarify that it's not just about whether or not it's in-person. Let's just think about skill demonstrations as a whole. And in HR nerd terms, it's called a work sample. I'm sure many of you listeners and you have heard about a work sample. So the idea of work samples has been around for a long time. There's a lot of data around how work samples are one of the most valid way to assess a potential candidate for a job, and it significantly reduces hiring I bias. Do. Okay, so tell us some examples of what uh, that work sample or that skill demonstration would be. For example, if we're looking at manufacturing, I'd love to give a shout out to you know one of our mentors and earliest partners, Craig Zabaris from Fusion OEM. We know Craig too. He's been on the show. Yeah, we know great, Craig. Great guy. Yeah, great friend. Great guy. And one of the things that we you know just as like kind of a side note, it's interesting. We are very honored that Craig did come on the podcast, and I would highly recommend those two episodes to our listeners. If you haven't listened to them, those are probably my two favorites. Craig doesn't do a lot of interviews. He doesn't he doesn't do a lot of speaking engagements. So you really got a good piece of him in those two episodes. So go ahead, Elaine. I'm sorry. So as we were developing this solution a number of years ago, Craig was a really big inspiration for us because he's already been doing some of this work. So he knows that there are some just very basic foundational skills that he needs his employees to have. These are things like reading a basic electrical schematic or um, doing some basic wiring of a panel board, being able to both identify hand tools, etc., you know, what he started to do in his earliest interviews was rather than just kind of a simple sit down one on one interview, he had these candidates go through some of these hands on assessments where they are kind of, you know, doing some basic wiring, they're reading a blueprint, etc. And so what that enabled him to do is really start to see, you know, can this candidate actually do the work that we're going to be expecting him or her to do on the job? 
So these are things that are already happening kind of in our community already. And what makes manufacturing so perfect about this is that we all live in the world of tangibility, right? That this is not some abstract, let's talk about some business case and how are you going to grow their revenues by 78%. It's like, no, actually, do you know how to program, right? Can we talk about quality inspection? Exactly, sure. Right? So these, these are very tangible things that you're expecting your employees to do every day. How can we just take a little bit of a sample of that and put that in the hands of your candidates and see what they do with it? What you're saying is during the interview process, Craig would sit down one of these candidates and, and say, put this basic circuit board together or whatever it was. And, and that way he can validate that what they said on their resume is actually true. Exactly. You know, it's kind of funny. So not not to this level, but I've actually done something like that. Very rudimentary. Um, but, you know, when I hire for a position, I want to make sure that the person has basic typing skills, you know, that they're not like, what do they call that? Hunt and peck. And, and they're doing that like, you know, five words per minute. So I'll actually, you know, I'll ask and make sure that somebody can type with two hands without no looking kidding. at the keyboard. You ask them if they and can then type I'll, with two it, hands? Yeah, yeah. Seriously. And, and I, I'm not I thought saying, that was a skill that everybody had. You know? No, it's not. Wow. I mean, and it's not. And so, and not everybody can do it. And so what I'll make sure is like when I sit them down, let's type out a couple sentences, you know, and you'd be surprised that some people actually can't do it. Um, but I want to validate before I hire that person that they can actually type in that manner because that's important to us. You know, it's a basic skill that some people might fudge a little bit on. They just figure, well, I, I'll get there and I'll, you know, figure it out. But no, I, I want you to know that before you come on the job. Interesting. So not to the extent of what you're talking about, but, you know, close. Exactly. But that's really what we're aiming to do. And we know that all companies struggle with is just really trying to understand, is this a good candidate for us, both, you know, cultural fit wise and skill wise. And one of the things I would also add is that when you put a work sample in front of a candidate as part of your interview process, it really flips the interview out on his head because both the hiring manager and the candidate have developed these very learned interview behaviors, right? Versus when you can ground them in an actual task. And perhaps maybe as the hiring manager, they're also involved in it. You can understand not just how well are they at reading a blueprint, but what questions are they asking? How are they approaching the task? How are they kind of assessing how many bends are actually in this part, etc.? Right. And so it becomes something where you can just have very natural conversations about the work. And then you can have conversations about, well, okay, James, how does this compare or contrast with work you'd done previously? So it really becomes this very natural lead-in for folks who aren't good at interviews or maybe don't look good on that paper to just talk about, yeah, you know, I have been, you know, working on my, you know, uncle's car for the past five years. And so I've developed this, you know, love to kind of troubleshoot and et cetera. So you're really getting to like, you know, why do they love what they do or um, why are they good at what they do? It really helps to really turn the interview on its head and, and give it a different spin. Can candidates, people that want to promote themselves with a skill demonstration, can they do that at home? They can. Okay. So that's something that we have been doing as we're kind of scaling our work and making this more accessible to candidates and companies is that it doesn't just have to be in person. We, we live in a world of digital networking and video, and all of us are very comfortable. Uh, I would say, you know, most of us are very comfortable taking photos or videos of ourselves. Sure. And so some of the things that we have started to do is have candidates submit a work sample or kind of walk through a work task 
by recording themselves on their phone. Okay. So one of the examples that we had in interviewing someone was having them actually walk through one of the company's blueprints and talk about how they would go about building that part. And so it was a very kind of short, maybe two minute video. And what that company could get out of it was, you know, not just that, you know, this candidate can identify and kind of talk through this, but also seeing the questions that they're asking and how they're approaching it and even some of their personality. Right. So a the lot person. of these things that would have been done first, second or third interview, they're able to front load that right at the beginning of the application process. Mm-hmm. I love it. That It really... It cuts through the it, minutia. It, it, helps, it really it helps does. the HR process to be that much more productive. And, and this is where it gets, you know, tricky for HR because we've all, we, we've, we live in this world now where it's more and more. I want thousands of candidates. When in reality, you don't want thousands you want of candidates. You the one right person. You just want the run white person. Yeah. And so what happens when you can front load some of this within your application process is a couple things. One is you filter out the people who can do the work or not. Right. right. And that's ultimately what we want. We want the person that can do the work. So some of the data that we have as we've been kind of doing this is that when we actually ask candidates to submit a virtual work sample of themselves, we get about a 40% drop-off rate. And that's not a bad thing. No, it's no not. that's a good thing. I agree that's with you, That's a very yeah. good thing because now you're not wasting your time pre-screening and, and phone interviewing and in-person interviewing when at the end of the day, this candidate is not at the proficiency that they need to be to do your job. And it's been a colossal waste of time. Exactly. So the opportunity costs in all of this is extremely significant. So the more that we can kind of filter down by just putting it in the hands of the candidates to say, you know, to determine one, whether or not they can do the work is crucial. Yeah, it it almost goes back to with anything in business, you know, it's so much better to load the front end and be strategic with the way that you do things rather than just saying, well, I'm just going to get to work, you know, well, sometimes getting to work is good, but sometimes you know, really sitting down and putting pen to paper on a good process is just going to make your life so much easier. And it allows you to duplicate that time after time again, that much easier as well. Absolutely. So one of the things that we might suggest, right, if here's a manufacturer or a hiring manager that wanted to do this tomorrow. Yes, that would be great. Well, the first thing that they can ask is, you know, for example, rather than maybe submitting a cover letter, kind of have them submit a video of themselves kind of actually walking through a particular task. So the hiring manager reaches out to the prospect and says, send me a video of yourself? Or is it just the, should the candidate have a pre-videotaped skill demonstration of himself that he's sending? So instead of sending a resume, a PDF resume, do they send a, a link to a YouTube video? So it could be either or. or it could be either or, as long as it's relevant to the particular job. The way that I see this as you produce a video of what that job position is. So the the employer is saying, this is the job position. I'm showing you a little demonstration of it like we talked about in the previous episode. And then if, if you'd like to respond and apply to this job, please submit a video. And this is what I want included in the video. That's the way that I would do it. Yes. So the way that we've been developing these now, again, what we've been doing is that we've you know, developed with industry and with our partners, some pretty kind of basic work samples 
that most anyone can use, right? So we have a kind of an activity around tracking inventory, an activity around blueprint reading, or an activity around quality inspection. So you don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel, but these are supposed to be kind of very short, you know, maybe 15 minute exercises that a candidate can kind of work through. And then, you know, either videotape themselves walking through that task and how they were thinking about it so that they can, you know, walk through that task and kind of talk through how they were thinking about it. And so, Again, you know, just based on our process, it's really just about having these kind of more virtual, meaningful conversations. The company has had this conversation of, hey, here's our job. It's visual. It's compelling. And it's also how the candidate responds. So rather than just submit a resume alone or a cover letter, they're being able to submit a virtual work sample of themselves um, demonstrating they can do the task. Boy, it, it really cuts through the fat. That's all I'm thinking. You know, I'm just thinking about this process. It's really out of the box. That's how your and, dad hired, like, for, for positions yeah, 30 years sure ago, right? Sure, he did. Sure. No, he put a sign out in the lawn, help wanted, and they came. But here's the thing. You know, we call this the new old way to hire because that's what it was previous. This was about human to human. Hey, I'm going to take you through this. Let's work together. Can you show me that you can do this? I see what you're saying, Elena. It was an interpersonal relationship it was such back an interper- then. Yes. The, the only thing that we've done is we're recreating that in a video style. Where we're not necessarily together, but we're cutting through the minutia at the beginning to create that one-on-one. Exactly. We're not looking at a text PDF resume anymore and trying to figure out that person. Whereas years ago, when my dad put the help wanted sign on the lawn, the candidate would walk in the front door. He'd look us in the eye and say, I'm here to apply for that job. And you'd say, here's an application. Sit over there and fill it out. And when the guy got done, my dad would take him. He'd bring him into the facility. He would say, this is what we do, blah, blah, blah. And that physical presence that he demonstrated during that one-on-one interview was a big part of the hiring process. We didn't realize it was happening, but it was. Absolutely. And somebody created this thing called a resume, which became this very impersonal piece of paper that was almost like a gatekeeper. And you you think that it told you a lot about the person, but it probably didn't. It probably told you just some basic skills and where they went to school and what they did before, but it didn't tell you who they were and it was not personal or anything like that. So you're right. It is the new old way of doing things. Yeah. And let's talk about the social side of this. There are millions of people who are not served by resumes, who are filtered out by the current process because their resume doesn't look good enough. That does not mean that they're not equally talented and would be incredibly viable candidates. Or they're trainable. Or that they're trainable or that they don't have good attitudes. They just don't represent themselves well on paper. Mm -hmm. And so the social side of all of this is being able to get companies to go outside of a resume and see that candidate for who they are, not where they come from, not school that they went to, not their work experience. Can they actually do the work? Do they have the attitude and the aptitude and the trainability that I need as a hiring manager to build my business? That's what we aim to do. So it's not just about filling the business need. It's also identifying that there is a huge proportion of our population that is not served by the paradigm of the job descriptions and resumes. As we asked you in the previous episode, what does this look like if we were to say, you know what, Elena, this is great, but I want you to do it for me? You know, currently how we've done this has been doing a lot of high touch work with our companies because this, 
you know, this is a service that we're still developing. What we noticed is that what companies wanted more and more was to own this process. And in order for us to be able to scale to more companies, we are building a technology platform or a recruitment campaign manager that will do a couple things. One, it will enable companies to create and manage their own visual assets. So when we were talking about the job video, it is also going to be a place where they can actually run targeted recruitment campaigns for candidates. And on the third of that, it's being able to deploy work samples and review hands-on applications from these candidates to move forward. So we're basically creating an end-to-end platform that makes this more seamless for our companies to do this work themselves versus calling Elena and Abby and our staff to run this for you. Great. So stay tuned and that product will be coming out soon. Yeah. I actually have a call to action or a request Go from ahead. Metalworking Nation listeners, particularly within the uh, the Chicagoland area is that you know we are kind of currently in development of building this platform and we are going to have our first version within the next couple of months and are looking for beta testers. So, My hands up because yeah. I've already got an idea ready yeah. for so, myself. Any kind of, you know, manufacturer that is interested in kind of innovating their hiring process and also want to help influence how this scales nationally, we would love to talk to you. How do people get into contact with you? You can go to our website, www.skillscout.com, or you can send me an email at Elena, E-L-E-N-A at skillscout.com. So pretty easy. So what I would ask is just for our listeners to think about a different way to hire. Don't think about the way that you've been doing things in the past. There's better ways to do it. You really have to put the utmost emphasis and care into bringing the right people into your team because that is what's going to make you successful or not. So just think of -of out-of-the-box ways such as what Elena described in order to recruit that next manufacturing leader or just that new team member. Or to consider candidates you never would have considered before. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really great. So I think that's about it for today. Glad to be providing this valuable, relevant information to all our listeners. I know Elena certainly provided me with some great new insight on how to better run my manufacturing company. I'm excited to talk to her offline after this episode and um, get some video going on in my life. But we're so happy that you tuned in today and listened to us, and we thank you for all your support. Please go to makingchips.com, sign up and subscribe. Uh, You're going to get all the exclusive stuff by doing that. You'll be able to get all the links to all the um, companies, brands that we've talked about on the show. Go to facebook.com forward slash making chips and like our page. Likewise, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Jason is the one that manages our Instagram account. So you can go ahead and uh, follow us there. Again, Elena, what an absolute pleasure to have you back again today in our studios and equipping and inspiring all these manufacturing leaders out there. No, I mean, it's an absolute honor to be here and we love manufacturing. So thank you. Thank you. Great. Bam. Bam. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear, and we'll see you next time on Making Chips.
M A N U and the number two. At first, you said man two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can edit that or not, Carrie. <laughs> edit that out.